All right, so welcome back to another exciting edition of the uh, Pointless Exercise podcast. I think that's like four in a row that I've actually gotten the name of my own podcast, right? Which is, it's a personal best. I'm very excited about it. I have a guest today, and he's the perfect guest because of the thing we're all watching. Uh, so it's uh, it's my old friend Kelly Dwyer from the Second Arrangement, tsa.substack.com. And I can remember that URL now completely because... My newsletter is at pointlessexercise.substack.com. So if you haven't signed up for both of them, uh, it's it's mandatory. Uh, if, if you're going to listen to the rest of the podcast, you have to go sign up for both newsletters. We'll wait here just a second while you do that. All right, thanks. So, Kelly, how, how are you doing? Give them, a, give them a second chance because sometimes they get really excited to sign up for our newsletters and they need it. I'm going to talk to this point because they entered their email in wrong, but now they've got it in correctly. I'm doing great. I get to watch and, and write about the 90s bowls all day as if I don't have this stuff tattooed on the inner sleeve of my arm. Yeah, I think the, the coolest thing about we've seen the first four episodes of the documentary now is that as there's stuff I didn't know, obviously, that's why it's behind the scenes. But it just reminds you of so many things. Like, oh, yeah. And, um, like, the one, I, well, there's things I didn't know. I, in the third episode, the first one last night, uh, was the Doug Collins episode. And we got to hear Mike, Michael Jordan, call him Dougie, which I really enjoyed. Um, but I... He, they left out. They're saying they can't put everything in. It's it's ten hours, but it's only ten hours. Um, I think it was. I think this was in the Jordan rules. Um, Michael sitting around playing cards with other NBA players, and they were all bitching about their coaches, which is what players do. And Michael didn't say anything. And at the very end, he said, "He goes, you think you've got a bad? Mine cries all the time. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh my god! So I'm sitting there going, "Oh, tell him, like Michael, Michael, tell him about how Doug cried all the time." It's like. Eh. And yeah, he's not actually sitting. It looks like he's sitting in, yeah. although it's much nicer living room than mine. Um, I do think it's nice how much Michael had dressed up for the interviews. I love it. I love it. Yeah. He's he's just. I mean, whether he was Michael Jordan, the famous basketball player, or not, he'd be wearing those clothes right now on that afternoon. In you know somewhere in North Carolina, as the as the head of his landscaping business or something like that. You know. Get out of his F one fifty and come inside and you know yeah yeah that's 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 who he is he had, he put on a suit to go to the Meadowlands for games for four <laughs> games per year or something like that he put on a suit for the L A Sports Arena and and demanded everyone he, he it's okay for him to slack a little and he slacked a lot I really I think he missed an opportunity though they interviewed him three times he should have broken out probably larger versions now of some iconic remember the uh the weird uh jean jacket huge jean combo that he wore one day i would he should have just brought back like the three most ridiculous outfits he'd ever worn and just worn them for the interviews and they'd not mention it at all just go ahead and interview him perfectly straight uh, do I stop there? Do all of Chicago sports history? You throw in Cindy Sandberg's corn cob dress. You throw in <laughs> Harry Carey's glasses. I mean, there's there's a uh, Reggie Theus's various mustaches. He's there. He, yeah, he should have. We need more tributes to what we remember, Michael. Or that he could have great. Or he could have just squeezed into that. Which dunk contest was it where he didn't want to wear his uniform? He wanted to wear the Nike stuff. What? 
Yeah. It he should have just worn that. Just squeezed into those for one of the interviews. He just wore sweats to a dunk contest. <laughs> that is the most disrespectful thing. I love it. Ah, I forgot about that sometimes. And then he just called and Michael Jordan was like, no, they pay me to wear these. So I'm going to wear these right now to your rinky-dink Indianapolis dunk contest in the middle of the 80s. On, on TBS or USA Network at, at 4.30 in the afternoon on a Sunday. Or excuse me, Saturday. Yeah. I mean, you forget how... Yeah, obviously Bad things evolve. But, yeah, like NBA All-Star Saturday was an afterthought. It wasn't even an afterthought. It was like, let's try it. Let's see what happens. And you're right. It would be on in the middle of the day, the day before. Now it's prime time and stretched, to, stretched beyond all meaningful shape but uh they used to have the dunk contest and the old timers game i think this was the 87 the one who wore the sweats they had the first round of the dunk contest the first then the first half of the old timers game then another round of the dunk contests then whoever survived the first half of the old timers game would come out to play the second half and then the final round of the dunk contest. This is a dunk contest with Dr. J, Dominique, Larry Nance, Randos, and Michael Jordan. And it was interspaced with like Rick Barry and Johnny Red Kerr and Tommy <laughs> Heinsohn's, you know, pits. And oh my gosh, it was, uh, yeah, badly run organization. Well, somebody earlier in February was lamenting the, or wanted them to bring back the old timers game. It's like, dude, don't you remember what happened in the old timers game? I mean, unless you're going to get sponsored by a surgery center, yeah, because everybody just tore their Achilles. I mean, the game ended when they ran out of ambulatory players, and it was usually like in the middle of the second quarter. <laughs> they might as well just if they either they could just start it as a wheelchair basketball game, or just give the guys chairs as they start to go down and finish it that way. But there was a reason that they don't do that anymore. And really, I mean. Who do we want to? Do we really want to see any of those old guys in tank tops? Some ever of them again. Some of them. <laughs> Andres Nocioni. Oh, the Noach. That uh, would be great. You know, uh, Mark Mark Bryant. There, there are many. <laughs> I got to be careful with you know. I don't want to mention anyone who's passed along, but you know, most of my favorite players are seven foot one. So I want to see just about all those guys. Uh, you know suit up again but i i, I can't remember uh, uh you know which ones are uh gosh i really i really do wish that they had dug into more of the 95 96 bulls and mentioned the fact that they had four different paired what three different pistons on that team at one point and james edwards just sort of rolling around making a paycheck yeah i really wish they dug in so maybe they'll do a whole episode dedicated to 95 96 i have not been uh going down the spoiler route, but uh, there, there's just so many jokes to be had about this team. Yeah, because as much as they hated the Pistons, and I hated the Pistons, and um, a quarter of that of those two championship teams ended up with rings from the Bulls. It's insane. Sally, so Sally and Buddha, and who was the third? I rattled it off the other they night. They got tw- Remember they got Trent Tucker, Austin Rodman, and uh, oh, Rodman, Daryl Jesus. Walker. Was he? No, those were Knicks. I thought Trent Tucker may have because he was Isaiah's best friend until Isaiah, <laughs> as with every single other one of his friends, betrayed him in some form. <laughs> and uh, 
Oh my gosh, it, I'm I'm so happy everyone's uh, just just not, is, is just angry at Isaiah again. It's that's so yeah. much fun for me. It was it's, I, it's a blessed event. I when I could tell last night they were going to go down the road of the making a big deal of the handshake thing again. I'm like, oh come on, we've been through this, but it was tremendous. I mean, I can absolutely see why they did it because, um, you know, Michael's reaction was incredible. And basically said, he takes the iPad and doesn't even want to look at it and goes, you're still not going to convince me he's not an asshole. <laughs> and Horace calling him straight up bitches. And then, um, forget, Den- Dennis church. had the perfect, um, how did Dennis say? Oh, yeah. He was the first one that talked about it. And he goes, we weren't shaking hands. We just walked off the court. Thank you guys for kicking our ass. <laughs> <laughs> Like, if you go back, their excuse of the time was, we did it to protest how Phil Jackson was getting his way with the referees and whining all the time. And we didn't respect that. Like it's Isaiah. It changes yeah. all the time. And, yeah, the Celtics did it. You can go back and look at it. It's it, That's just fine. But when there's a big show, as Jordan pointed out, if you guys, ah, he's so lame. Isaiah, he's, you know, he hugged the owner. Or the GM coming off. You, you, you don't do that. Cool, cool point cards don't do that. <laughs> Give a big, big class to the owner. Well, and uh, and then today Isaiah tried to, he basically said, well, if I know it's going to be this big a deal, we'd have stuck around and shake hands, and then I would have been on the dream team. It's like, well, no. That's not why you weren't on the dream team. I mean, it might have yeah, factored ever- into it, but Michael hated you, but so did everybody else. Absolutely everyone hated him. And I... Can you jog my memory who coached the Dream Team? Chuck Daly. Huh. And so your own coach coaches the, the Olympic team, and you don't get on it. But it's every. But it's it's not his fault. It's not your fault. Nothing that you did is the reason that the other players are like, this would be fun, but we're not going to fucking play with Isaiah. And he totally was a legacy. Like, Isaiah can bust John Stockton, you know, 10 ways till Thursday. And I'm sure there's plenty of evidence of him doing that from 86 to 88, or excuse me, 92. And all that. But by then, like, Isaiah was like 18 months away from blowing out his Achilles at that time. I'm not going to hear that, like, he was at in his prime and needed to be on the one. Stockton, my second least favorite player in the history of basketball, he's still averaging 14 assists a game. You're not going to leave that out guy off the team where everyone's throwing lobs. Well, I mean... If you don't put Stockton on the dream team, the team is is not is not as deep as it needs to be at bangs. <laughs> so he Stockton has to be on it, especially Chuck, a guy with that hair. He knows he's like, all right, we need a variety of hairstyles. Who's going to bring the bangs? And it's like, well, Leitner's kind of got him. That's why we're going to keep him instead of Shaq. But Stockton, I mean, that's the perfect amount. So he's yeah. On. Remember, guys, we're going to be in Barcelona. This is the early '90s. We're going to need some bangs. These are <laughs> These are some swarthy, good-looking men with Brian Ferry haircuts. <laughs> Do you guys know Roxy Music? No. Well, uh, okay, I don't know. But just big, floopy haircuts. We're going to need to fill it up. I don't I, – uh, <laughs> and, and he uh, – Isaiah may have paid uh, uh, some sort of gluey to, to, to bust Stockton's leg in the practice, if you recall correctly. Like, he broke his fibula. I still don't remember why. Like Stockton didn't actually play on the dream team because he had a bum leg. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Isaiah cackling at home with his Cupid doll. Well, I was telling you before we, we went on that the the uh, lack of 
anything with a ball to watch on TV um, has forced me to do horrible things like read books. And um, I'm reading the David Halberstam book, Breaks the Game, and I said, if I was smart, I would have reread Playing for Keeps, the book Halberstam wrote about this season, which I always really liked. Um, but in that now, I just thought, now I'm going to dust off my copy of uh, the Jack McCallum book, Dream Team, and read that, because there's good stuff in that, too. Good chunks with the McCallum. There's just always, in seven seconds or less, oh, there's... That's there's great, so much that's greatness great in that. That's that might that might be my favorite basketball book ever. Is seven seconds or less. Read that book and then have any faith in James Jones running the Phoenix Suns right now. <laughs> they they made him look rather silly, a Horace Grant, if you will, in this instance. Yeah, Halberstam. I'm bashing. It, it was the first book to put like everything we knew. Him and Lazenby's book came out around the same time. Blood on the Horns. And there was so much. Like, oh. Blood on Horns is a much cooler title. Yeah, yeah. And he put, like, uh, Towns Van Zant lyrics in between the chapters. To, like, I don't I don't know anything about Towns Van Zant other than the fact he's very respected. Everyone likes him. So that's a cool guy to quote. So, yeah, Halberstam's great. But uh, go scope out that uh, Blood on the Horns book. It's pretty loaded. Yeah, I, um, I was like, ooh, I'll just get it from the library. Because I was thinking about it a couple weeks ago. And looked it up, like, there it is. Oh, that's right. The library is closed. <laughs> I guess I could pay money and get it and read it. I probably should do that. Maybe I'll start a book club. I'll start a pointless exercise book club. And we'll all, um, I'll just start one of those threads on Substack. And we'll just go. sit around and have, actually, we could have a Zoom book club. That'd be great. All right. So look for that. That'll come, I'll get to that right after all the other things on my list of things that I'm going to get to. Um. So one of the things that it's I, a, an odd take, I think, from this whole thing is people saying, wow, the documentary is making Jerry Krause out to look like a villain. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it, yeah. it kind of it does yeah. because he was <laughs> hey, held. Camera's going. He was, he's Jerry Krause and the most socially awkward person maybe ever to be a gm and there's got to be a pretty good list of guys um so he never did himself any favors and yes i understand the whole i remember at the time the the thing the thing i was obviously i wanted the bulls to win as many championships as possible because i was enjoying the hell out of it but i really i didn't ever want to see them lose i didn't want to see michael ever lose in a finals and when they won in 98 i remember distinctly thinking I think they're probably done. Um, of course, then they had the lockout in a short season, and they probably could have run it back. But Scotty was falling apart. Dennis has, was older than we all thought he was because he didn't go to college till he was like in his forties. And he, and from what he said last night, I'm not sure he remembers where he went to college. Um, he, uh, what did oh he say? God, He's so like, funny. he goes, he. he I can just imagine there's somebody in Southeast Oklahoma going, this is going to be great. We need to get a sound bite from the thing Dennis is going to talk about coming here. And this is going to be great. And Dennis basically said, some guy asked me if I want to go to some school. And I said, <laughs> okay. And that was it. Now that's the, they'll probably still use it. That'll be on the view book next year. Dennis Rodman. Somebody said, you want to go to a school? I said, okay. Um, and then the fact that, 
um, you know, how are you going to... I don't know how the salary cap actually... Apparently, that was... You could spend whatever you wanted, right? I mean, there was a cap, but they were paying Michael $33 million a year. Yeah, yeah, you could spend whatever you wanted. I mean, it, it changed it, it changed after the lockout, but all those guys would have been grandfathered in. But the what I spent the last 25 years of my life trying not to make a villain out of Jerry Krause and just give him every benefit and look at every bit of wonderful that he did. But yeah, he's he wanted to break up the team and and uh, there could have been better ways to finesse it. And Jerry Krause, the guy who used the the team bathroom before games, <laughs> the the the, 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 the the famous Chicago Bulls with a with a camera crew following them around was like of all the places in the United Center area bound down there were there many places to uh, I guess Stan Albeck was complaining about him being on the bus it was he was just yeah there you could have done it better I hope they dig in on how much Phil Jackson broke up the Bulls because he didn't want to be there anymore because yeah. of Jerry Krause yep. and it was you know Phil could have I mean Phil wanted to time off uh yeah Jerry Krause is wonderful. Jerry Krause is brilliant. I've written about him for years, but he made it so untenable and so, you know, nasty out there that everyone wanted to be done except for Michael Jordan, the guy that would play 164 games in a season if he'd let him. Yeah, Halberstam's quote about Krause was something to the effect of he never got the amount of credit he deserved, but he also didn't deserve the amount of credit that he wanted. Yeah. I think that's about right. Yeah, he got he got a lot right with the book. Everyone, should, if there, there it, it joined even half of this, you need to get that book. There was just so much crazy shit that happened with Jerry. Remember when um, he he decided he wanted to draft Will Purdue, and they try, they snuck Will in. They like flew him in secretly, and then somebody saw him, and Jerry got all pissed off. It's like it's Will Purdue, Jerry. That's that, you know, relax. It, it's gonna be okay. He looks like a lot of guys in Chicago, except he's a foot taller than most of them. 14 inches taller, I should probably say. Yeah, that was uh, – that. I, he, he tried the same thing with uh, Pippen. He tried to randomly get him to stash himself in Hawaii. The Bulls would, excuse me, pay for a vacation during all the, uh, you know, the pre-draft camps or whatever he was supposed to be doing in the weeks before the draft. Ross was like, hey, I'll pay for a vacation for you. Just you know, go hide yourself so we can keep you. He was uh, yeah, because Jerry was, was Jerry was cool. Jerry was pissed that Scotty went to Portsmouth, right? Yeah, yeah. And everybody's like, "Ooh, this guy's good." It's like, well, that's why he went, Jerry. <laughs> his his motivation and your motivation are not going to be the same. Scotty would like to get picked as high as possible and make as much money as possible. You would like to get him as late as possible and pay him as little. And of course, they ended up paying him, you know little anyway the the Reinsdorf stuff obviously Krauss isn't around to defend himself and even if he was he's never proven he never proved to be good at that um and they seem to unearth some you know there wasn't really any post Bulls Jerry in the first two episodes but they had some stuff in the two last night um when Reinsdorf was going on about, like, he, he's, I've heard him say this a million times. I told Scotty not to sign that contract. It's not a good contract. It's like, well, you know what you could have done then? You could have offered him a better contract. <laughs> You're the guy who owned the team. 
instead of just going, this is going to screw you. This offer, this, this offer we're making you is designed to screw you. So maybe don't sign. It's like, well, maybe don't give him an offer then that screws him as bad as the one you're giving him if you want to pretend that you actually care, since you obviously don't stop pretending. You don't get to act like you were the you were acting like his grandpa and you were going to counsel him when basically he said, I wouldn't sign it, but here's the pen. Which he leads immediately. I mean, like that was in all, all that stuff was in the Halberstam book right away. It was in the Lazenby book. It was some, some of it may have been Jordan rules. Yeah. He's the, he's the, I mean, is he worse than Comiskey? I mean, did Charles Comiskey have Babe Ruth? Uh, he's, he's the worst villain in, in Chicago. People may have issues with the McCaskies up and down the line. I don't, I don't know, but like, you know, the St. Petersburg White Sox, it's, it's, he's, I hope they make Reinsdorf out to be a real villain. He's the guy that could have stepped in with the pen for Scotty Pippen and also the pen for Jerry Krause and said, you know what? There's 50 games this year. Let's figure out something. Yeah. And, you know, he, he also, Jerry Krause worked for him and you don't get to sit around and go, well, I just, I didn't agree with any of that. It's like, well, you were the boss. You couldn't actually make the people who work for you do things once in a while. I mean, you don't, obviously you're not going to do the guy's job for him, but when it's, you know, this might cause the greatest player in the history of our sport to retire again, early again, maybe we should do something different, but, uh, they were too busy, um, you know, uh, clearing out Phil's office for Tim Floyd. Yeah, and he doesn't, like, he'll probably sell Krauss out on Tim Floyd. 100% he will. And he's, I mean, he should have. He tried to hire him in the 90s, or, like, way earlier. Um, like, the first episode, the, right, the first, yeah, the first one, he's like, Jerry Krauss worked for the White Sox. He called me up and said I should run the basketball team. It's like, that's, like, Jerry Krauss is obnoxious and, and, and had an ego and thought he should run the Bulls. He had kind of ran the Bulls for a month back in the mid-70s before they kicked him out because he stepped on his own tongue. Uh, but, like, that's not how it happened at all. And it's just uh, – this is your – Ryan Zerf's one chance to to defend Kraus and his legacy and give Reinsdorf something, something on record that says, yeah, maybe there was some rise or rhyme or reason to why we broke him up. Boston Celtics could happen to anyone, could happen to anyone we – but he starts off by going, he worked for the White Sox and called me up and said, I should run your basketball. Like, God, just try to pretend like you've been interested in this life that's been so blessed, that's been so, I mean, I know the Sox stink, but, you know, just uh, not a Reinsdorf fan. Well, and he, I mean, he, part of me admires, you know, he basically, he bought the White Sox with, he had to put some. He had to put his own money in, but mostly Eddie Einhorn's money. He was the chairman of the Bulls when he was for a long time. When he was like the th- only owned like the fourth or fifth most shares, um, but he got like he was chairman of the board because the other you know like Lamar Hunt was like I'm running the Chiefs, so why don't you yeah. why yeah. don't you run the basketball team? I'm busy. Um, and then eventually, you know, he, the Bulls became so insanely profitable that he raked in money started buying out other guys um but you know he did it um you know he did it the way every american wants to do it he bought things with either not as much money as they were worth or other people's money and 
then made himself insanely rich, which, you know. How much could it really cost to buy a baseball team off of Bill Vec? $800,000. Pay, pay off your car loan. I remember being in a bar at a, at a way too young. I think we were coming back from a, no, it wasn't a Chicago Sting game, something in the summertime, but coming back from a sporting event of some sort and uh, going to a bar. I was seven or I was eight years old. And uh, seeing one guy I kind of recognized and another I didn't recognize his face staring up uh, from underneath the uh, urinal uh, matting in this bar and then uh, going to ask my father who they were. And he explained that the other one's Einhorn. And, uh, yeah, that's that's Reinsdorf. And I think that was before the uh, the St. Petersburg stuff. I think that was like just just in deference to Carlton Fisk, maybe. I, I don't I don't know. I forgot how they made Carlton Fisk retire right in the middle of the season too. I spaced <laughs> on that a little while ago. Um, they're just they're just swell folks. Yeah. Well, I mean, they. If I think if Michael Jordan had been Harold Baines, he'd probably Jerry would still be trying to convince him to play. If he retired Baines's number. They begrudgingly traded him. He's still playing. He's playing for the Orioles. The White Sox retired his number. And then brought him back because he was Jerry's all-time favorite baseball player. It's like, could you at least wait till he's not playing for somebody else before you put it, slap his number up on the fence? I just remembered why they wanted Fist to get out in time because they wanted to push Karkovice into the starting yeah, lineup. Well, you know who drafted Ron Karkovice? Oh, Jerry Krause. Yeah, Very check nice. your check your Bulls program from whatever year, and it'll be like, and he found Karkovice and Ozzie Gian. <laughs> you like got you guys like Karkovice, right? Yeah, look, he seems okay. Is a mustache you can see right through. So part of this, the parts, I mean, I like the whole thing, but it's interesting to me the way they're doing the documentary where they, every episode, they kind of give you a backstory on somebody. And it's all, it's always going to be a lot of backstory on Michael because he's um, Michael. But so we had Michael in the first episode. We had Scotty in the second episode. We had Dennis in the third one. And then we got Phil in the fourth one last night. And whoever dredged up footage of Phil Jackson coaching basketball in Puerto Rico deserves you know, a massive raise. It was insane. And then to get Charlie Rosen, who I remember because uh, I would go to Rockford Lightning games and Charlie was the coach. For a couple of years, I think he. Oh, wow. I think he took over after Moro Panaggio. I believe Moro was the first coach. Nor oh, Van Leer wow. eventually coached the Lightning, and um, threatened to kill Benny Anders in the locker room during a game. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Benny Anders! Okay, but uh, so there's Charlie Rosen, and he's trying to describe what it was like to coach basketball in Puerto Rico. And one of his lines was, they would kill a chicken in a graveyard and pour the blood on the visiting team's bench. Well, of course. Doesn't yeah. doesn't everybody do that? Yeah. I mean, Didn't. I thought that was Jim Boylan's job when he coached for Fred. That's Little League. That and good game are two things you learn in Little League. But, Isaiah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, put, that footage, I was disappointed because, remember, when they wanted the Bulls wanted, Cross wanted to hire him for Stan Albeck. Phil Jackson showed up with uh, a Panama hat. You wore a hat to a job interview uh, with a macaw feather stuck in it and chinos. 
So I'm assuming that he was going to be some, uh, you know, at the very worst with a Selleck mustache. But no, he polo shirt tucked in, his giant Phil Jackson ass hanging out all over the. I mean, like he was pretty straight laced in Puerto Rico. I was I was surprised for a for a summer gig for him too. Twenty twenty two thousand dollars, I think he made down there. Yeah, not bad. He was just Phil has always just been the boniest person <laughs> that I've ever seen, especially those old Knicks highlights. And everything looks wrong. Everything looks it looks like it's a photo negative and it's backwards. And he's he's so left handed. He just couldn't be more left handed. And then um, you know he looks like a. I wrote in the in the thing today that it looks like somebody was drying a tank top on a crucifix. That's what Phil looked like in his jersey because it was just all wow, that's good. stuff sticking out of it. That's so good. I haven't read your email yet today. Everyone subscribe. I mean, like, if you're listening to this, I mean, come on, who's left? Uh, he was. It's so. He's the only guy in the '60s and '70s when it looks like no one out there should be playing basketball. He looks like he really shouldn't be playing basketball. It was, shouldn't this guy have been a novelty reliever from the late sixties or you know just it, it, he's a remarkable. I'm glad they didn't go crazy with comparing him to Rodman because it was it was something different. He was like a no stats all star, but he also got stats because he he fouled people and he broke his back after the first season and and. Uh, it's also amazing to me how few hippies there were in the NBA back then. Like, between the NBA and the ABA, you had like 28 teams or something. And there were like three legitimate hippies. There were guys with long hair. But all of them were just like jocks with long hair. It was like him and Rich Kelly, and that was it. And this is back when people were giving, you know, drugs to kids. And, you know, the 70s were a, were a wild time. There were a lot of middle-class hippies out there, and... and for that, for for Phil Jackson to be showing up like Robbie Robertson and getting lauded like he's in the Fugs or something, like he looks like the guy on the the pack of rolling papers. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is he's been doing corporate events for twenty five years now, so it was it was fun to see him clean shaven in Puerto Rico. That was that was nuts. Like I didn't I don't I didn't know he took Charlie. He must have taken Charlie Rosen down there. I, I didn't I, I didn't know he could afford an assistant coach in, in Puerto Rico. <laughs> Charlie was just his valet. I assume, I mean, Charlie seemed to have intimate knowledge of uh, what was going on in Puerto Rico. I, I, is he the one that told, explained that the, I mean, it was Phil. I think it was Charlie. I don't think Phil talked about Puerto Rico. I think it was just Charlie. That the guy who owned the team that Phil was um, coaching had been, uh, had shot an official in the leg. And his punishment was he wasn't allowed to go to home games anymore. So that's, that's the Puerto Rican league, the superior league. Which is perfect. I mean, what's going to hurt him most? That's that's some justice that we need. Yeah. I mean, we have all these re- referees. I mean, yeah, we just, we need that sort of thing going on up here. I don't get why. I don't know. They didn't they didn't push up the angle about him famously taking a skills test after the Puerto Rican thing and then telling you should either be a trail guide or a famous lawyer uh, and nothing in between. And Kraus saving him from. Uh, but uh, you know, hour like you said, hour at a time. I guess they gotta <sighs> we gotta get all that in there. I, I I think it's been fabulous so far. I've 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 had the time of my life watching Dennis do his angles thing with the rebounding was 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 so much fun. Watching them talk about the triangle and getting to see, you know, I watch 
nonstop either websites or, or now basketball shows where they're just breaking down basketball tape like it's like it's Ron Jaworski on Sunday morning at seven thirty in the morning on ESPN or whenever they did that. Him and Susie Colbert. Uh, but it was cool to see. No, man, we just have these triangles and they decide what to do and there aren't really any plays and they just do it. And it, that's that's fun because I'm I'm X's and O'd out. Yeah. Um, make a star out of Ron Harper. That was my, that was the biggest laugh from my better half on the wife or excuse me, on the, on the night when my wife cackled out loud around Harper. <laughs> it's the only thing he said so far in four episodes and it was yeah. tremendous. Maybe that's my favorite maybe player use anything else. of all time. And, uh, I mean, he would have scored on Harper, but, uh, Harper wouldn't have crumpled to the ground like a, <laughs> Like a doe that had just lost its mother. <laughs> like God, that shot was. If this is a simulation, they're doing a good job. All those, all those things in retrospect. You see Scotty with a giant LL Cool J, J chain in the back of the bus, sunglasses on when when everyone else is playing cards up front. The tight perm on Doug Collins. Everything is is written out so nicely. Yeah, I mean, I I had given Stan Albeck's perm props last week and I'd forgotten about Doug's um they didn't really they didn't really downgrade in hair when they went from Stan to Doug but uh, the most troubling thing I think so far in four episodes was Doug trying to explain about the first game he coached in Madison Square Garden and he's like I'm sweating through my suit and I've I've chewed my gum down to a paste and it's all over my face it's like how do you get gum how does a grown man get gum on his face? I mean, have you been to Benton? Benton, <laughs> Illinois? Because <laughs> I spent a summer there one decade. I, I, I did, actually. Uh, summer of 95. And, uh, yeah, I just got to dribble and walk around the 100% humidity and uh, Doug Collins' old bed. That, maybe that's it. I don't think – I think it was the southern Illinois humidity that did that to his hair. That could be. That wasn't even a perm. It finally relaxed when he was in Detroit. When I was, uh, when he was coach of the Bulls, uh, my aunt was uh, is a, a nurse and, and uh, cared for a woman who lived way, 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 way out in the sticks, past Joliet. I mean, for us, way out in the sticks, uh, past Joliet a little. And apparently, and she had a barn that was legitimately the barn wherever this was, wherever he went to college in Illinois. Uh, it was the barn that his team. It had it had a uh, upstairs with a, a basketball court full length, and they would practice there, and that was a, that was a cool thing for eight year old me to be practicing on the same court as uh, the, the the coach that got in fights with Rick Mahorn, yep. and uh, was standing the entire time. I need to figure out where that barn is, genuinely. So, um, my dad uh, was very excited when the Bulls hired Doug, just because you know Doug was an Illinois boy, gone to Illinois State, first pick first overall pick in the draft, which seems incredible. Um, but until he screwed up his knee with the Sixers, he was a very good player. Oh yeah. Um, but dad would always, it was in very, when, if there was a Bulls game on, he saw Doug, my dad would within five minutes act like I'd never heard this story before. He would tell me about how Doug made the two most pressure packed free throws in the history of basketball. And, you know, Everybody, you know, now we think back to the um, 72 Olympics and the United States getting screwed by the refs. They kept bringing the Russians out till they could finally make a layup to beat them. 
But before that, Doug had gotten fouled with just a few seconds left, and the Russians up by a point, and he had made the two free throws to give them the lead that they then got um, stolen away from them. And uh, I got so it was just my brother and I would, you know, the Bulls would be on, and they'd show Doug, and we'd look at each other. This guy. And we just guy wait. Right and then Dad's like, ever tell you about the time? You know who made the two most? Yes, we know. For Christ's sake, you've told the story a thousand times. He got hammered too. He got nailed. Yes, on that, that was the other thing. People thought he was hurt, and like, no way he's going to make these. And old Doug knocked him. I out. mean, just by looking at Doug Collins, if anyone wants to go back and see those free throws or that game, just looking at him, you wonder if this man is this young man is okay. He's a he's a frail, sickly looking person. That yeah, if his feet wouldn't have exploded, would have been like the next Billy Cunningham in the NBA. He's great. So, yeah, just I was looking at the four notes I wrote down because I really I prepare really well for these. Um, under Pippin's contract, Reinsdorf, I wrote Columbia House, which apparently was a reminder to myself to say that the only time I signed a contract as bad as the one Scotty Pippin signed <laughs> was signing up for Columbia House, <laughs> ten CDs for a penny. Although, I thought it was a reminder to go cancel your subscription. Oh, before, I've, I've, uh, I've, I'm still getting them. Um, no, one thing yeah. I learned when I was in, when I was in college was, so you would you could sign up for Columbia House and then not send back, never send the cards back. You know, the card would say, I, "I these are the ones I want this month, or I don't want any, and don't send me the selection of the month." You would make them send you the selection of the month, then you would get it, and you wouldn't open it. You would just take a marker and write return on it, cross off your address, throw it back in the mail. After you did that twice, they would kick you out of the club. Mm -hmm. And you didn't have to fulfill your commitment. So then you would just change your name slightly. You know, I'd be like Andy Dolan. Then I'd be Andrew Dolan. Then I'd be A. Dolan. And you'd sign up again and get get 10 more for a penny and then let them send you two and send them back. It worked like a charm. I don't know if listeners appreciate how hard it is to get kicked out of Columbia House. <laughs> I did it at least three times. I mean, great. AOL put up a weaker fight than Comcast puts up. A, I should stop naming brands. Yeah, they were. I my my when I I mean everyone of a certain age had to sign up if you had a little change in your pocket. And my my frustration when I finally got to sign up, I was like twelve or thirteen, was how few CDs of theirs I wanted yes. to actually own even at a penny at a time. So it was like, okay, you know, I'm not a metal guy, but I'll do Decade of Decadence <laughs> by Motley Crue one time. You know, I talked myself into Octung Baby, which is fine. Uh, but, you know, if, if you live through any U2 era, that means six of the, the album singles were already lodged in your head for the rest of your life. You didn't really need to own the album if you, weren't, if you were a wishy-washy U2 fan like me. Uh, but instead... I got the twos and sevens crossed when I when you had to pen the, the serial number in to get you two Octong Baby. And instead, they sent me uh, Andy Gibbs' Greatest Hits. <laughs> which Sure. I'm sure, sure that was an accident. It, okay. was, but it was like a bit. It was like, we're going to send them Andy Gibbs. You know what? I bet we do actually have an Andy Gibbs' Greatest Hits. And yeah, it had a beautiful painting of the late Andy Gibb on the cover. And, uh, and uh, wow, I, I never listened to it. 
I bet if I pulled it up, I could find one or two jams on that album. <laughs> now that I think about it. Um, one of the other things I remember, Mr. Um, Victoria Principal. So, and I when I first got to Northern, um, I think it was the second semester that they switched to touch tone. This was technologically advanced touch tone resi- um, registration. So you didn't have to go stand in the ballroom anymore and get in line. And that's how you used to register. You get in line and go try to sign up for class. And then you could try to trade with other people if they had a section that you wanted and go up to get all that crap. And um, I had had a nightmare be sometime before um, registration that semester that I got my grades and I had flunked chemistry because I didn't know I'd signed up for it. Like I'd signed up for chemistry accidentally and I didn't go ever. And then, so I flunked it because I never went to class. So you go through the stuff and you punch in all your, you know, you've the five classes have signed up for you punch in the little numbers. And, um, a couple of days later I get in my mailbox at Northern, I get my schedule and I swear to God, this is true. I had accident. I had, I had misentered the numbers for one of the classes and I was in chemistry. Oh no. Yes. So was that a dream or was it a premonition? So I immediately went in, dropped chemistry, signed up for the class I really wanted. But I thought that was so weird that here was this dream I had that I had failed the class because I accidentally had signed up for it. And then two days later, I accidentally signed up for it. I accidentally signed up for it. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Then when you went to, to actually cancel the class, you were naked. Well, that, oh, wait, that, no, that was the other that wasn't, And that wasn't accidental. I got We got to look up what what that actually means at some point because uh, for someone who had a lot of experience not showing up to class, I <laughs> do have those dreams or did at least for a while constantly. I'm sure those dreams just mean you're in you're in love with your wife and children, but uh, you know that you're happy and have uh, cats that are healthy and their sunshine. I'm sure I'm sure it's all fine once we actually look up what's actually. Wow! So you had dreams about flunking college classes in college? Just one. That is, just that one. And the only reason I remember it is because then two days later, I was like, holy shit, look at this. No, oh, that's legit. Yeah. That's, wow. Then an Andy Gibson song, song comes on the radio and Brings it tear all comes full down circle. your eye. So I knew going into the two last night that I, I was going to get pissed just looking at the Pistons again. Um, I, I just I loathed that team. At every level. I didn't like the people on it. I didn't like the way they played. And I didn't like the fact that the NBA let them play that way. Um, but a, So a few years ago, I took a job and we moved up to Traverse City, Michigan. And we lived in this little town just outside of Traverse City. A little town instead of a little town called Interlochen. We didn't actually live in the town. We lived close to the town. And so there was, there was actually a pretty nice grocery store in Interlochen. So on Saturdays, I would go there, pick up a few things. And on several occasions, I'd say at least five times, I'm in the grocery store and there's Bill Ambeer. Because he lived, he also lived near, he lived on the other side of Interlochen that I lived on. And he was, couldn't, he was Mr. Friendly. He would say hi to everybody, people, oh, hi, Bill, you know, all that bullshit. And I couldn't, I just, I couldn't not be a dick to him. I just, I just had to do it. So I would just kind of look at him and like, Ugh, you know, thank you. But I thank you. But I've since realized that he probably liked that. I, I probably accidentally gave him some some form of satisfaction, but there was no other reaction to have. It's fucking Bill Ambeer in the flesh, and 
He was a retired basketball player. There was a lot of flesh. Uh, but yeah, I would see him repeatedly. In fact, I was in there one time with my wife, and I looked up and I'm like, oh. And I literally like we, I like, come on, we like, yes, we avoided yes. him. We didn't go down yes. the aisle. We avoided yes. him. Thank you. And she's like, what are we doing? I'm like, oh, that's Bill Ambeer. She's like, who's that's that? So he used to play for Bill the. Ambeer, yeah. I used to play for the Pistons. She's like, well, don't you want to go say hi? I'm like, fuck no, I don't want to go say hi. If I saw Bill Lambeer, I would be so I I would I would genuinely like yeah I go back out in my car I wouldn't joke about it on Twitter I'd be like angry <laughs> we're we're not playing this up this is he was it oh, angers me worst. that he got to live in such a beautiful part of America I still there the, I'm sure ah oh, that just frustrates me here's the deal though you were you were upsetting him in a place he's not used to getting upset so like I'm oh, sure true. that hurt him. So keep keep your chin up on that because you you take God's he's just uh, that he's no there are no redeeming qualities about him and then you find out he grew up rich. Yes. Oh yeah, he was a spoiled little shit. Who I think he I don't even think he had a scholarship at first to Notre Dame. Oh, didn't he? Have, or he had to transfer. What did he do? I forget. Then he I got drafted. That. I don't think he got drafted. That might be it. Yeah, he played, went to Italy first. And then he played for the Cavs, played for Daly with the Cavs, right? Yeah. And then when Daly got the job with the Pistons, he's like, I know a guy we should get to just beat the shit out of everybody. It could be Bill Ambeer. He's very punchable. So if he takes a cheap shot at somebody, they're going to punch him in the face. And that face, you know, you can't really do anything to that. It'll be fine. Um, so another celebrity story from Traverse City. It's not even it's a secondhand celebrity story, the best kind. A um, few years before I lived there... Um, Interlochen has this famous arts academy in it. It's a, it's I think it starts in June. I think it starts in seventh grade. goes up through high school. It may even be a college prep year if you really want to stay. It costs like $90,000 a year to go. And they've had like Alicia Keys went there. And um, Tom Hulse went there. I was very excited. I got a tour and I'm like. <laughs> I'm a dance. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm like, it's Pinto. Um yeah, the, literally, like, the, there's a picture of him as, uh, you know, as uh, Wolfgang Amadeus. They have a beautiful sign thing. And I walked by and pointed at him, like, that's oh, Pinto. And the tour guide was like, that's great. I was, in some, <laughs> I was in some leadership thing, and they were showing all the future leaders of Traverse City around. Thanks. Thanks and no. I'm like, hey, it's Pinto. Um, so apparently Rumor Willis also went to Interlochen, at least for a few years. And so uh, Bruce and Demi would... Uh, come up to visit and so a friend of mine who worked at the college that I worked at was telling me the story she's like she's like it's like eight o'clock in the morning she says I'm at I'm shopping at Meyer, and she said I haven't I haven't taken a shower I have like my hair up I've got sweats on and I'm pushing the cart around and I look up and Demi Moore is standing in the aisle like looking at something and she said, it looks like she just got out of hair and makeup and it couldn't be more beautiful more put together and Kathy said all I did was I just backed the cart up and went into a different role. <laughs> That's basically what I did to build uh-huh. Yeah, but I mean, God, I'm so glad you spurned him. I'm so glad you had a you, you that a visceral reaction still exists because oh, yeah, yeah, it was never like, hey, that's Bill Ambeer. I was like, oh fuck. I remember my my first time I ever saw him. I had to look at him twice because you know it's, <laughs> I like, had to look at him. And I'm like, that's really, it's really fucking Bill Ambeer. Oh no, this is no good. Um, so I'm going to ask you the impossible question because I get asked by people, Hey, when is baseball going to come back? And I'm like, well, I don't know. They're going to, 
they're going to go down and play in America's cat box in Arizona at some point and have a sham of a season. And I'm going to enjoy every second of it because I miss it. But, um, at first we heard this plan that the NBA was just going to ship everybody to Vegas and lock them up, quarantine them and play out the rest of the season and then just have the playoffs there. Then it was like, okay, the regular season probably done. Um, then crazy, um, the crazy mayor of Las Vegas, Carolyn Goodman, I forget, I talked about her on my last podcast, uh, basically said, basically volunteered for um, the city of Las Vegas to become the control group. It's like, just expose everybody to the disease, and then you can study us, because we, we, we need to gamble. Um, do we have any idea what we think might happen, if anything? I... Uh... I mean, it, it, it belies, I don't trust the science of putting everyone in a quarantine bubble, whether it's 16 teams or eight teams or four teams. I, I just, the sheer numbers and getting everyone to go, I, I don't get how we're just not going to have, uh, I can't imagine. I just, they have to play 11 more games in the regular season for some form of uh, tipping point to be hit with either local or national broadcast money coming in, mm. uh, one or the other, both. And to, you know, drag the Charlotte Bobcats in there, and they'll tell you they're not Bobcats anymore, that they're the Hornets, but, you know, <laughs> who can believe them? And, you know, make them come out and play that. It just seems like uh, certainly there's a thirst for it, and we'll be able to, they'll be able to talk themselves into it, but I, I just don't get how they pull that off, even with, you know, for ostensibly 12 to a side. We, you and I both know it's, it's going to be way more hassle than that. Yeah. Yeah, I just... I just there's and, no way. And everything is a moving target. I mean, we, we thought for sure that, um, you know, when it first happened, it's like, okay, we're, we're probably going to shut down for, a, you know, a couple of weeks. Well, a couple of weeks became a month. A month became two months. Now they're like, well, I don't know, maybe... Maybe you can have some outdoor stuff in September. I mean, we just it, things change so much, um, and we're owed this. I mean, like, I really—it's a huge, huge drag that people are going to lose money, and that also people aren't going to see, you know, in a way down the line, get to see these players in their prime, and we're going to miss out on this for a while. But there were also eighty-two games in a season for however many seasons this thing has been going along and for the last 54 of these seasons they haven't really needed 82 games so it's just fine for everyone to take a little break yeah i think uh you know this is also me talking five six weeks into this but you know it's it's just okay for this to go on it's we spent especially these last four however the lebron era is just everything feels like such an intense have to pay attention to everything you know baseball isn't basketball is not baseball it's not a 162 game thing where it's just you it's 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 in a weird situation the nba so i'm i'm kind of okay with everyone just getting a little breather right now with having to diligently pay attention to what's going on in los angeles or what drama is brewing in new york you know 14 hours a day do you think nicholas batum thinks he still plays for the bobcats no, because because those checks, and you know oh, they're putting true. a little hornet on those checks. 
That's, that would be the reason he would have figured it out. Actually, I'm not also, even sure. I'm not even sure. They may have already been the Hornets when he, but I was trying to think who's been on the team the longest. I was going to say Marvin Williams, but Marvin's a buck now, so that wouldn't have worked. Yeah, Batum had a, had a right before the season, ended a little uh, interview with the paper down there. He was just like, yeah, I'm really sorry I'm making all this money and that I'm not good. Uh, I didn't think it was going to happen this way either, but, you know, Michael Jordan shows up with a lot of money. Yeah, so... <laughs> It was it was it was very self aware. The whole the NBA basically doubled its salary cap in twenty sixteen, so just a certain subset of players just could randomly get a ton of money. And I loved that that happened. I know it's unfair, but I just love how chaotic and silly that made everything. It just it, it twenty sixteen will delight me to no end, and it has to delight me because that's the year that the Bulls signed Dwayne Wade <laughs> and Rajon Rondo to play basketball for them. And that's the last time they made the playoffs. Yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. That was, that was, Oh God. I, I think that was the last time I've been in that building. Uh, it was, uh, but you know, things, things might change soon. We, we don't, we don't know. We got to see how the, 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 the Denzel Valentine era plays out, but, uh, I don't know. I, I, the, the Krause stuff from the retellings, I think that all came from Sports Century, now that I think about it. I think that's where most of those are from. Oh, so can... they brought him in to talk about how great Michael Jordan is. And they're like, well, we got you, Jerry. Why the fuck did you do that to the Bulls? <laughs> what were you thinking? Whoa, 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 whoa. <sighs> well, I mean, if anytime you get a chance to trade Scottie Pippen for Roy Rogers, why wouldn't yeah. you do that? Yeah. They, they got... They got uh, what Phoenix? You want to pay Luke Longley as much po- money as possible, and you're going to give us a first round pick that will turn into Ron Artest? Okay, yeah, we're going to screw him up later, and he's going to play drunk for us most of this time. But yeah, Kraus was so great. He was great. He was fantastic. He was really great at what he did, and he also broke up the Bulls. He just yeah, you 100% can be did. right. You can be more than one thing, and yeah. he was he was many things. He was a lump, but he was a lump, multifaceted lump. Yeah, I mean, if you're interested in Nixon, seriously, no joke, just go check out Krauss. He's a he's a fascinating individual to to scope out through these you know various books that have been written about him. So I noticed the it must have been last Monday. You know, everybody was talking about Scotty's contract and all that stuff, and his ex-wife, and I'm sure it was Instagram, po- pointed out that he actually made more money in his career than Michael Jordan did. <laughs> And she's like, she just listed all the salaries. It's like, yes, he made quite a bit of money after he left the Bulls. He was, uh, for much of that, he was a mere shadow of himself. But Scotty got paid, and then he made some horrible investments. He bought planes or something. Wasn't there Pippin Air? And that went bankrupt. It's like, when they give you this money, you just take a big (laughs) chunk of it and just don't spend it on things. That hotshot industry, <laughs> the airlines industry, that's always good to jump into. Whenever you can, you want to pull out, you know, name an airline from 1988 that's still flying, Scotty. Yeah, but I think I'm going to, I'm thinking I'm going to give it a whirl. Scotty bought, I kn- hey, I'm getting booed by my own dog. Hey, I, keep it down. I know a guy who was nicknamed Air, so, uh, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. One time I, I jumped off of the free throw line at a slam dunk contest, so I'm sure I can handle this airline thing. Plus, the Bulls also gave him a very nice contract uh, in 2003 that he played about four games under. Yep. So, what are you doing? 
He's upset that they didn't ex- renegotiate the contract of an MVP in 1993 when they could have. It's Jerry. They could have, and they could have done it in 95. They could have found a way to get Randy Brown at the same time. They could have done everything. They could have. That's what <sighs> puppies can sniff out, you know, just them trying to mislead us when it comes time to Jerry Reinsdorf trying to rewrite this entire thing as if he wasn't the worst thing that has ever happened to anything. The Bulls, Andy, the Bulls sit on the opposite side of the benches now in United Center, and they, the Reinsdorf let that happen from Arizona. He let it happen. He lets him wear red at home. What is that? That's just, uh, it's, it's an embarrassment. It's, it's, it's hurtful at times. They took the big orange ball away from the midcourt, which, you know, kind of looks kind of cool, but, like, you're in the United Center. That's where the big nonsense orange ball goes. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I don't like the idea of the mixing up of the uniforms. It's like, wow, we need our uh, home fans need to see the road uniforms once in a while. Do they? Do, do they, they don't. Um, especially if um, Zach Levine is going to wear green shoes. It's like, it's, it's not Christmas, Zach. You don't get to wear the green shoes with the red jersey if it's not Christmas. Just and knock it off. Also play on a mostly orange and red court that makes your jerseys bleed like you're looking at mm-hmm. an NBA Live 96 or something. So one thought I had about what the NBA could do to finish the season, I don't know if you watched the horse competition on ESPN. (laughs) No fucking way. But, so I think you could play, you could finish the season at Mike Conley's house. He had, he won because he had this, um, I mean, he has an arena built on his own property. He makes $38 million a year. He certainly can afford one. Um, But that, the, the gym that he was shooting in, um, is would be like the fourth nicest stadium or arena in the Big Ten. So I think just ship everybody to Conley's house and let's just let's just knock off the rest of the season. It'll be fine. He is like genuinely the most beloved player in the NBA. Even in horse, you could tell he was an awesome guy. Yeah, everyone loves him. So I don't know. Maybe he's got that. Oh, that hey, I, hospitality if, going for him. If they ask him, he'd do it. I guarantee. Yeah, come on over. Let's let's let's. Let's uh, let's run out the rest of the season. Did his dad ever win a gold medal, or he was did. it like Goodwill? Ga- okay, so there you go. Yes. He got stuff to look at. Yep. He may Mike Conley Senior may have won two. He did win a celebrity dunk contest, also in which he didn't yeah. dribble, and that really bothered me as a kid. I'm like, that doesn't count. You don't, you know, you can travel, but you've got to at least dribble the ball once. It just looks dumb when you just it tuck weird. it under your arm and run to the basket. Oh, it was like that. Oh, oh wow. yeah. Well, he took off from the free. He's a long jumper. He took off from the free throw line and legitimately dunked it from the free throw line. But he also didn't dribble while he was running up the court. It's like no, 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 no. That doesn't yeah, count. That's, that's you get a nerf ball stuff. You get a six for that. You don't get a ten. You get a six. You got to dribble. Dribble it twice. That's all I want to see. Show me that you've played basketball, that the point of this game isn't just taking the ball and putting it up between that thing there. Show me that you can handle this other thing. Yeah, Mike Conley, I lo- yeah, sure, why not? I mean, if he – I don't know. He's probably better off doing that than he is playing with the Utah Jazz at this point. They didn't seem to be really doing much with him anyway. So, yeah, he could, he could just be the, the master of ceremonies at a, at a, at a needless no point to it last part of an NBA regular season that, that not even Kelly Dwyer was saying we needed. So Mike Conley Sr. 
competed in both the long jump and the triple jump. He won he won a gold medal in 1992 in the triple jump and a silver in 1984. So there you go. And he's got to have some goodwill games thrown in there. They they there's some sort of TBS programming, I'm sure. Oh, it's got to be sort of. God, why didn't they have? Why didn't Ben Johnson? Did he do any like professional stuff after he got busted? Why didn't he have like a pay per view where he raced a cheetah like Billy Bean or something? Or not Billy Bean, the other guy, the red. Why didn't Ben Johnson just like? What did he do after he got caught? I mean, now you would just, you would just, you would just lean into it, just load him up, put as many steroids in him as possible, and just see how fast he could run. And yes, he should be, <laughs> he should, he should be racing other mammals. Don't even race men anymore. When all juiced up, we know Ben is the fastest human ever. All right, he's got that settled. Now let's double the dosage, and uh, he get, we'll have him race a horse. Then we'll have him race, you know, a cheetah. It'd be perfect. Uh, why not? He could, race All a, that. he could race a bird. That would be very tough to judge who won, I think, unless you can get the bird to fly low, which I don't know if you can train a bird to do that. And that's, is that a mammal? That's not a mammal. Um, a dolphin. Dolphins are mammals. He can race a dolphin, which really wouldn't work. And all of it explained with a Canadian accent. <laughs> that, now, the Ben Johnson thing, I, I was hesitant to bring this up, but you, you opened the door, so we're going to bring it up. Um, ben Johnson, yellow... Yellow eyes, most likely because of the steroids. What's going on with Michael's eyes? I'm a little worried oh. for him, actually. This is not, I'm making fun of Michael. I just, I'm a little concerned about him. But one thing I did, I did think of a joke immediately when I saw it, and it really wasn't a Michael Jordan joke. But I'm, I'm picturing Mark G. and Greco sitting at home going, I can't joke about that. It's the flashbacks to Murray made fun of Walter Payton for being skinny. And then two days later, Walter days later. told everybody he had liver cancer, and yeah. Gene Greg was like, "Whoops!" So he's sitting there going, "Oh, I got it. Nope, I can't. I can't do it. It's probably nothing. It's sure it's fine, but I cannot make that joke." I'm just a little worried about Michael. It's I do a, think it's it, a Ackroyd thing. It's like he's it, whatever he's drinking is his brand. I think it's tequila yes. or rum, yes. or something. And I'm sure there's some sort of psychoactive, uh, you know, Dan Ackroyd Crystal Skull you know, uh, psychedelia properties inherent in it. And that's, that's, that's what, I mean, the guys had to watch the Charlotte Bobcats for 14 years. That's, that's what happened. Oh, that's true. It's some, yeah, I didn't some think Medusa of that. stuff going on. There's, there are side effects for like, if you buy the Bobcats, the, a lawyer li- literally has to sit next to you and read in that fast announcer voice, all the side effects um, <laughs> may cause yellow eyes, explosive diarrhea, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Giant blazers. Giant velvet blazers. <laughs> yeah. All right, so briefly, I believe I've, I've held you up long enough, but I appreciate this. So the Bulls have a new uh, a new brain trust, uh, including a – I don't know. I don't understand basketball titles anymore. I used to know no. what they were. There was, a, there was an owner, and he, that was a guy who, you know – purportedly owned the team. Then he had a general manager, and that was the guy that traded people and made draft picks. Then he had a coach. But now, there's a vice president for freaking everything. Well, apparently, the, the vice president of vice presidents is our new buddy, Arturus Karnishevus. And I'm going to say Karnishevus, because that's how they said his name when he was at Seton Hall, and I liked it. I don't like Karnasovus. That sounds made up. So, I don't... Even if it's wrong, I, I don't care. Um... 
And I know it's probably dumb to sit there and go, well, he's going to do a great job. How do you know that? Because he had a, a job that was not the same in Denver, and he did a good job at that. So we give him a different job, and he'll be great. Is that yeah, about right? Yeah, but, I mean, it's that's that's why they're you know trying to get you with a little uh, shell shell game of, you know, find the, the P inside the card here as they, as they move along with all these titles. Yeah, it is weird that, you know, the, the buck stops always here when it comes to trades and personnel with our vice chief personnel of director of operation <laughs> habits of, you know, and what does the GM do? Oh, well, he does like, uh, you know, those hats we give away. Yeah, he does a lot of that. It's weird. They they hire the GM today, or they will, but he's he's not the GM. Yes, Mark but, Mark Eversley, that's who they hired to be the general manager. That's so weird. It's like this it guy has to actually sign off on the actual deals that. But you know, yeah, I mean, everyone needs a Rolodex guy, and he's the Rolodex guy. And I guess the Rolodex guy is now the GM and the guy that actually makes the decisions. Except it's not really him. The owner is the one that makes the decisions. So within that purgatory, you get a you get a title that has sixteen different words in it, or whatever uh, current art is uh, gonna get. Art Carney. Art I'm just Carney. going with Art Carney. If you shorten both names, that's what you end up with. So it works for me. Um, yeah, at some point in all of sports, I'm gonna blame Theo Epstein for this. Um, every front office became a bank. Where, like, you go into a bank and there's two tellers and everybody else is a vice president. You go into a baseball front office and there's, like, the video guy who wins bunt tournaments if he's on the Cubs. And everybody else is a vice president. And it, I think it came from teams wanting to hire somebody else. A big market team wanted to hire a small market team's GM. I guess that wouldn't really equate to Theo, but I'll get to it eventually. And they were just going to pay him a lot more money. And the team's like, well, you can't. He's under contract. You have to give him a promotion. Like, okay, well, he's a vice president now. And he was still going to be the GM, but now he's, they call him a vice president and they get to take him. Um, I think that's how all this bullshit started. And then Theo came over to the Cubs and he just made everybody a vice president. Um, and I, it somehow has leached into all of pro sports. I to like the point that. now where I just don't really know who... I guess we do. We know who the, we know who the general manager is. He's just not going to have the title. Yeah, we just don't know what's a column when we when we write our email newsletters. We just like, oh, that's right. It's not he's not the GM. He's okay. Wow, that's he's then you gotta go find a press release somewhere where they call him his full title and you don't understand why. I don't know. When I grew up I didn't want to be a vice president of basketball operations. I wanted to be something stronger than that. I wanted to have initials. I wanted to have business card, general manager. That's fun. Vice president of plus you got the cap guy. I mean, does the cap guy get to talk about basketball, or does it always have to be framed in like does does he start to talk about a guy's left hand not being all that great, and then they're like, it, you know, get to the point. What does this have to do with the poison pill contract or the salary cap ramifications? Of, like, does he <sighs> too many cooks? Although they're hiring an Irish guy, Pat Connolly. I, I don't. He's the vice president of player personnel. Isn't that the GM? I, I, I'm not bright enough anymore to know. I just can't tell. But it's not. It's not from Iowa State. So I'll take it. <laughs> that is I'll, true. I'll absolutely take it. Yeah, that was quite a pipeline that they. Had. Oh my God! And they stuck Why? to it, even when it would prove that it wasn't working. They would stick to that pipeline. 
That's like phones that they could only get that. Did Does Iowa State even have an area code? Or is it just all, <laughs> do you have to call into a town surrounding it and then have them make a local call? Why do they keep hiring people from there? I don't get it. All of them have, Gar Foreman got like chased out of jobs for doing bad stuff. I don't, I think it was some sort of infraction times a thousand. Tim Floyd is like, I remember having a conversation with Tim Floyd after Bowles used to let me in to cover games when I was very young. And it was his first year, and he's running the triangle offense. And I, he, after his press the little scrum, after they got beat by 492 points, he talked to me about the triangle and this, that, and the other thing about what was going on in the triangle. And I was just like, this guy is lying so well to me. And it was just like, I was happy with myself, not as a cynical thing, but it was just, oh, I'm a young man, and I can see through this, and I admire it, and I liked it, but I could see through it. That's good. I'm going to need that. And then you're walking out, it's like, oh, that's the coach of the Bulls who was doing that. <laughs> well, you could argue that they they hired all those Iowa State guys, and they missed the one guy who probably would have been the best coach. That was Larry Eustacey. Um, Larry, of course, <laughs> most famous for uh, living in an RV and going to uh, going to parties on campus. Oh, yeah. Good career move, Larry. Uh, but he actually was a pretty good coach. He just kind of uh, had some problems. This is before you had, had cell phone cameras, and yet he still was caught <laughs> arm around the co-eds in a can of Miller Lite like 14 times was... when he had to sit and hold that pose. <laughs> Yeah, they're fumbling with the camera. You know that they at some point, Larry's like, just give me the camera. They gave it to him. He yeah. showed them how to use it, and then he gave it back to them, and then they took the pictures that got him fired. Like, okay, good job, Larry. I, I, when, remember when, when they hired Floyd, speaking of non-GMs, they hired him as some sort of vice president of basketball operations because at the last second, and I hope they put this in the documentary, uh, the Bulls tried to get Jackson to come back in July of 1998. They're like, Ah, uh, we changed our mind, and we want everyone back. Oh, I remember that. Oh, God. and they hired Floyd to be the president of basketball operations at yeah. at a at a salary coach at a coaching salary, and uh, yeah, his his big line that I can't remember on, I can't find it in any of the Tribune or anything like that. But he he goes, now I don't like being called Jerry Krause's fishing buddy. Don't call don't call what Jerry Krause does fishing. And I was just like, oh, oh God, this is like yeah. shitty Clinton. This is bad. This is not going to work. And he's the and now you want to hire him to be Phil Jackson's boss because you think Michael will come back. And Reinsdorf just got up there and sold it. He just he, he sold it. Good Please sell the team, Jerry. So while you're selling things there, I, I'd let you know. Let Michael run it. He can be he can be vice president of basketball operations. Yep. Come up with a nice phony title for him, and let's move on. All right. Well, thank you, Kelly. I, this I is appreciated a treat. this. So once again, for those for the people who've got to the end of this podcast, they can uh, they can sign up. They can get your newsletter at TSA, which stands for the Second Arrangement. TSA.substack.com. You not only get the newsletter, but then embedded in it, you get the podcast, which I also very much enjoy. And I have, and then they give you the special little link and you click on it and then that podcast gets shoved right onto your phone through um you know through whoever your 
podcast provider is. It's Apple for pretty much everybody. So they can get it there. So uh, stay safe and um, enjoy the rest of The Last Dance because I, I found it. There's nothing else on. And even <laughs> if there were other things on, it's just really good. I'm gonna enjoy it. I've I've found it. It's you know it's it hasn't disappointed me. And I'm uh, you know I'm the guy who walked into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame one. Is it? Is it really? <laughs> Is it? No, okay. No, it's been a blast. All right. Thanks, Kelly. Take care, everyone.